Good morning, everyone. Let me just say a few words of welcome. We all come here for different reasons, to find community, to seek our spiritual and personal truths, to question, to nurture our hearts and our souls and our minds, to be nurtured, to explore new ideas, to find comfort, and perhaps to find the answers to some of our biggest questions. Welcome. We know we come from different places, different religions, different beliefs, and different backgrounds. We hope you will find comfort, connection, challenge, and love here. And we hope you will find ways to provide an outreach to others in our congregation, in our local community, and in the world around us. This morning's presentation is Porchlight's Response to Homelessness in Dane County by Carla Tennis. Carla Tennis is the executive director for Porchlight and holds a master's degree in social work from the University of Wisconsin-Madison with a concentration in mental health. Carla has worked for Porchlight since 1991 and has worked or supervised every housing and services program managed by Porchlight. Carla received the Unsung Heroine Award given out by NAMI in 2002. She is the, on the board of directors of Goodwill of South Central Wisconsin and Downtown Madison, Inc., a member of the United Way of Dane County, and an active member of the Rotary Foundation chapter here in Madison. Please join with me in welcoming Carla Tennis to our culture. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here, and I got chocolate, so win-win. I love it. Um, well, as the Reverend said, I'm, uh, my name is Carla Tennis, and I'm the Executive Director of Porchlight. I have been there for 32 years. Um, I started out, I'm from Minnesota. I came to Madison to go to grad school, and then I did my internship at Porchlight's Men's Shelter. And literally two weeks before I was supposed to go home, they offered me a job. And I guess 33 years later, my mother, may she rest in peace, for 20 years kept saying, you were supposed to come home. Um, but a husband and three kids later and a long career, here I am. And of course, I love it here. Um, so I just wanted to share. First, I just want to say thank you um, for all of your um, past and, and ongoing support of Porchlight and our, our homeless neighbors. Um, we appreciate our, our wonderful partnerships in the, in the community and we count, count all of you among that. Um, so I just wanted to share, we have five different programs, kind of core programs at Porchlight. So I wanted to talk about each of them. I wanted to talk about kind of our um, push through the pandemic and, and where things are at now. 
Um, and then I want to talk about the um, big, beautiful men's shelter that's going to be built on the east side of Madison in 2025. Um, so I know afterwards we have kind of a a question and answer, but sometimes it's hard to, to hold your questions if I'm talking about something and then I move on to another program. So feel free if we're talking about something and you've got a question, just raise your hand and we'll, we'll kind of do question and answers as we go throughout. Um, so one of my favorite programs at Porchlight is called Porchlight Products. And I'm hoping that many of you have, have heard of that. If not, I'll give you a little rundown today and you can dash out on Sunday and go buy some Porchlight products. Um, so the Porchlight products is our um, job training program for formerly homeless people. Um, we have a beautiful uh, commercial kitchen on the east side of Madison that we built in 2017. The program's been going on for 15 years, um, but about seven years ago, we built this beautiful new facility. Um, so we hire formerly homeless people who have mental health issues. And then we, um, we make 12 different products from jams and dilly beans and sauerkraut and pancake mix, you name it, it's all on our website. Um, so we train these folks to make all of those products. We buy all of our produce from local farmers, so it helps out local agriculture. They literally deliver all the products right to our, to our door. And then we teach folks how to can and preserve um, these items. And then we sell them in local grocery stores and um, in local restaurants. And so it's not just um, a training program. They do get paid for their work. Um, and it's also, we teach them you know, how you show up presentable to a job and, you know, all those kind of soft skills. And, you know, the goal is that they'll be able to learn how to work in a restaurant type setting and make these types of things. And if it's in their abilities, um, our goal for them with that, they would be move on from us and, and get a job in the community. Um, but we also have some people who've been with us for five, 10 years. And this is, um, this is about as much as they can do as far as work. Um, and we're thrilled that they're able to, you know, come and work with us for five, 10 hours a week. And so if you're not familiar with that program, um, check out on our website. It lists all of the different grocery stores that we're in and all of the different um, restaurants that use our products um, in their menu. Um, and literally all of the revenue we make goes right back into the program so that we can hire more people. And many of the folks, um, because of their disabilities, many of them have never worked um, or have not worked in a long time. And, you know, it's really getting to see that um, increase in their self-worth and being able to say to people that they made this um, is just transforming for people. That's one of the things that I love about the program. Um, any questions about our Porchlight Products program? Yes, sir. Porchlight products. <laughs> yeah, like we're, you know, we're in um, festival foods and many of the different co-ops, um, Hy-Vee. I, I usually say to people the ones we're not in is easier to count. Um, some of the big ones like Woodman's and Whole Foods, we're not in either of those, but um, 
other than that, we're in most of the grocery stores. Um, and all of the grocery stores that we're in and the co-ops let us put all of their, our products on their shelves for free, which of course is not what they do for regular, <laughs> regular customers. So we really, so they might not be the most easy products to, to find, but we're super appreciative that they allow us to have our, our items in their store. And then pre-pandemic, um, we did sampling in all of the grocery stores, you know, Metcalfs, um, but with the world of the pandemic, that kind of went along the wayside. Um, the next program I want to share with you that you may not have heard of is called the DIGS program. Um, and the DIGS program, which does stand for something, Dwelling Intervention Grants and Sustenance, there's literally about two people in all of Porchlight that know what it stands for. Um, and it's an eviction prevention program that's been going on for about 25 years. Um, and it helps families in the community, not, not folks who live in Porchlight housing. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the affordable housing that we have at, at Porchlight. So the DIGS program, um, every year we have about a thousand separate families, households who apply for these funds. Um, and what we do is we help out with a small amount toward rent, utilities. Um, it could be you have a job and your car broke down and you need some money for repairs. Um, all of our funds go directly to the landlord, the utility company, or the mechanic. Um, most of our funds to give out, direct assistance funds, comes from faith communities. Um, we do get some money from Downtown Rotary, FEMA, some other different um, governmental programs. And then United Way pays for our one staff person who started the program and then distributes the funds. Um, so as I said, we had about 1,000 households um, in 23 who sought out funds, and we were able to help about 60%. And that was mostly because um, that was the amount of funds that we had to give out to help help those folks. And so what we do, because, you know, in the end, it's about outcomes. Did giving somebody $250 toward rent or utilities help them stay housed? Um, and so what we do is at six months and 12 months, we contact the landlord with literally only one question, is this family still housed? Um, we didn't provide case management. We did a little you know, money management when they sought out our help. Um, but other than that, it's a financial gift um, with the hope of keeping them housed, right? Because all of you know that if you, especially a large family, if you lose, if you get evicted in this town, you're not gonna find um, another opportunity. There's just not a, enough vacancy. Um, so at six months, 85% of our families were still housed. And then we take that group, and at one year, 75% of those families were still housed. Um, and it really is an important number and a big number because in order to qualify for the program, you have to have an eviction notice. So every family who comes to us has a five-day, 14-day, 30-day notice that you know the landlord wants them out. So the very first thing that our gentleman does who runs the program is contacts the landlord um, to make sure they're willing to work with the family, right? We have some we have some families who come to us and they owe five thousand dollars. Well, our two hundred fifty dollars is not is not going to help that situation. So those would be the folks in that percentage that we just couldn't help. Um, and sometimes we'll you know offer an opportunity to the landlord, um, and they you know they don't they don't want a vacancy either, so they'll try it and see if they works. And then the landlord signs something that they won't evict, that they won't evict this family for 30 days. Um, 
giving them an opportunity to get out of that crisis they were in and, and on their feet. Um, so that's a, another great program that I like to say, just a small bit of financial help sometimes helps these families get out of the crisis that they have found themselves in. Um, so that's our DIGS program. Any questions about that? Yes, sir. Uh, just a quick reminder to everybody, if you do have a question, please raise your hand to give you a mic so that the oh. people on Zoom can hear you. Thanks. Very good, thank you. And we have, gentlemen, did you have a question? What's the budget on that program? Thank you. Um, I would say um, just from, like I said, it's primarily, I would say from faith communities, we get about $30,000 a year, um, and then maybe another 30000 from other sources. Um, so I would say we're giving anywhere between sixty dollars and $75,000 a year out in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, mine is more a comment. I really commend you for working on that specific project. Mm -hmm. I worked in schools mm -hmm. in Madison, and I don't think people are aware of how many families get evicted which results in children sometimes being in three different schools in a school year. So housing stability is just absolutely <laughs> critical. And I know you can't serve everybody, but for those that you can serve, that, that can change lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, thank you. Uh, any other questions? Um, so our third program that I'm going to talk about is um, our Safe Haven program, which has been around for about 25 years and is on the east side of Madison. And Safe Haven is um, located on one of our campuses. Maybe, I think it was in 2012 we built that campus. It has... Um, probably 45 housing units on it, and then in the middle of it is our Safe Haven program. And Safe Haven is our day resource center for um, adults who are homeless and have a severe and persistent mental illness. Um, I'm sure as many of you know, mental illness is one of the leading causes of homelessness here locally and nationally. Um, so every person, like that's a qualifier for the program, is that you have to be certified homeless and um, have to have verification of having a, a severe mental illness. Um, so we are open seven days a week. I think it's from nine in the morning till six at night. Folks can come every day. They can come one time. They can come and go as they please throughout the day. Uh, we don't require that folks... Um, be on medication or be connected to services um, because that's, that's our goal is that all are welcome and that the staff's job is then, you know, to connect them to all of these services. And for some people, just, you know, having three meals a day, we provide three meals, we have a phone, address, laundry, showers, some lockers they can put their stuff in, sometimes just offering those basic amenities um, helps persons, their mental health, right? They know that their stuff's not going to get stole because they can lock it up in a locker. They know where their next meal is coming from because they can show up at our place for some lunch. Um, I would say about half of the people we serve are sleeping outside. Um, Pre-pandemic, we probably served 35 to 40 people a day. Um, it is, you know, the, the Beacon, which is run by Dane County and Catholic Charities, that's the main 
Communities Day Resource Center on East Washington, which is serving 200 to 250 people a day, huge. Um, huge numbers, huge program. Um, where Safe Haven is probably about six miles away, um, so we do give out bus tickets for folks to get to us. Um, Post-pandemic, um, the numbers doubled. Um, so we're probably serving about 70 to 80 people a day. Uh, we work very closely with the Beacon, um, so that folks who are, the guests who are there, who um, have severe mental illnesses, it's just difficult to be around 250 people, right? And so um, oftentimes we drive there, we can transport people, we just let them know that they can be at a, a quieter, smaller setting with kind of one-on-one -on -one staff help. Um, and so that has been very successful. You know, some people come to us, they're on disability, they have a caseworker in the community, maybe they're connected to medications, they just need help finding housing. Um, so we really just kind of start where the individual is at. You know, it might be somebody who's sleeping outside that's really a, a really disenfranchised group, um, especially folks who have, you know, mental health and alcohol and drug issues. They, they really want nothing to do with society. And so we really just want people to come in. Maybe it's a cup of coffee. Um, we kind of give them their space until they come back again. Um, and then, you know, the other half, it's men and women, uh, the other half are sleeping at our men's shelter or at um, the Salvation Army has the family shelter and the single women's shelter. Um, and then we also, also at Safe Haven, we have staff who provide what's called um, crisis stabilization services. So we can bill, um, for folks who are on Medicaid, we can bill, uh, we can provide counseling and medication management and resource connection, and we can um, bill their Medicaid for those services. Um, so it helps them, plus it helps our program to have extra funds to be able to you know, run and to have the increased numbers. Um, any questions about our safe haven program? Um, yes, when somebody first comes, we've never seen them before. You know, oftentimes we have, um, locally and nationally, we all use something called a homeless management system where all the data and everything goes in. So sometimes we can just check our records and see that, that, that people have um, the qualifications that they need. But sometimes people come, we've never seen them before, they, they've never been in our program before. So we give folks 30 days that they can actually come into the program, sign our releases infor information, we can send them out. So we give 30 days where we can help them um, get the proof that they need to be, to be eligible for the, the program. So he wanted to know if we help folks, you know, um, some people are able to work or some people are able to be on disability and have a little job. Um, we do help folks um, apply for disability, but we do it by making a referral to ADRC, um, which is the, the Aging and Disability Resource Center on the east side. It's a long and arduous process. Even if you have a, a guest who is oh my goodness, 100%, they deserve to be on this. It's a two-year process. It's a long deal. So our job is to kind of help connect them to the programs in town who do all of that, and then you know to make sure they get make their appointments, that they're fed and showered and all of that kind of good stuff and ready to go. And we can do a lot of the follow-up. They can get their mail at our place so we can help them get the forms filled out and that, that kind of thing. Um, so that is one of the good things that we do, but it is a long, long process.
Um, so he asked about homeless veterans. We, we do quite a bit um, for our homeless veterans at Porchlight. I would say in our homeless population, which would be the men's shelter that I'm going to talk about in a few minutes, and then at Safe Haven, anywhere from 10 to 15 percent um, are veterans. Um, we have the, um, the VA hospital has a homeless outreach program. And so they come in weekly into our men's shelter, and then we refer people directly to them. And then once I get to talking about our affordable housing, we have several programs in which we specifically serve um, our veterans. And then our, the first program that I talked about, our Porchlight products, um, the folks that we hire to work in the program, we prioritize veterans. I would say right now I have five um, gentlemen who are working in the program and they're all veterans um, and then they actually live um, in our campus on that um, where that program is located. When I start talking about the, the men's shelter, I will talk about the different groups that come in to provide services. Um, one of them, which is a, a volunteer program made up of doctors and nurses who come in and, and provide some on-site services right at the shelter um, for our guests, which is wonderful. Um, so she was just talking about you know, how 50 years ago there were county hospitals that, that cared for people. Um, you know, back in the, the 60s when they, they emptied out the, the mental institutes of people saying it was better for them to be served in the community, which of course it was, but there just, there just wasn't the programs, it was too many people and not enough programs and that, that continues today. You know, if 30 to 50% of my homeless population has severe mental health issues, um, obviously there's not enough places for people to go to receive the types of, of services that they need. Um, so probably the largest thing that Porchlight does is affordable housing. Um, we have 375 units of housing that we own and manage. Um, so we do all the property management, we do all the maintenance, we do all the social services, we own all of the properties. Um, most of them are throughout Madison. We have a few in some prairie. Um, I think about 30 of the units are for families. Uh, we have two, three, and four bedrooms. And then the rest are for uh, single men and single women. Um, we have quite a few what are called SROs, single room occupancy, where you know we own a house on Broom Street and five guys live there and they rent the room and share the rest of the house. I kind of, when I'm helping lease up people, I say it's kind of like how the college students do, but you don't know the four people that are, that are moving in with you. Um, and then our, our largest site is where our administrative offices are on Brook Street. Um, that's the old Y, and that's 100 units of single rooms. Um, we All of our housing is affordable housing, and but in particular, that location of those 100 units, um, rent is like $300. And we on purpose keep that facility especially affordable. Um, because most of the folks who live there are on disability, um, and that's all they can afford. Um, we have an elevator, so we have you know quite a few elderly folks who are there, people in wheelchairs, people in walkers. Um, it's not necessarily a place where a lot of the people are working, and and you know I see it as this is people's home, and we're their we're their family. Um, 
in porch light housing, in all of our housing, um, the rent that people pay, their income has to be twice the rent. And so in the community, it's three times. Uh, your income has to be three times the rent. So for example, at Brook Street, where rent is $300, somebody just needs to make $600 a month. So because most folks are on disability there, disability is about $750 a month. Um, you know, it still takes up quite a bit of their check, but they do have some, you know, leftover. Um, for some of their expenses. Um, in the majority of our housing, we provide case management services because we strongly believe that, that, that people are homeless for a reason and they need help getting out of that situation. You know, it might be something as simple as money management, um, but it could be and usually is multiple barriers, you know, especially our single men, you know, mental health issues, alcohol and drug issues, um, severe physical health issues. You know, when you've been out on the streets and not going to the dentist and not going, you know, not even having a primary doctor, let alone seeing somebody, it takes a toll on your, you know, your physical and, and mental health. Um, so we are, all of our housing is permanent, um, minus one location on Spring Street and Mill, Mill Street downtown. We have um, one of our veteran programs. We serve 24 veterans in a facility. They have their own room um, and then share bathroom with one other veteran. We have a commercial kitchen on site. We do three meals a day. Um, our staff are on site. We have a full-time case manager and a full-time veteran peer specialist. Um, and that program is transitional. It's the last of our transitional programs. And what that means is that they can stay there for up to two years. And that's just because it's a partnership with the VA. Um, they, they send us all of the folks. The people have to be homeless. They have to be a veteran. And so they send us the folks um, right from the VA hospital. And so that's, they want it to be um, a transitional program. And it works out quite well because many of the veterans that we serve there, um, they often moved out after a year. They don't even need the full two years. You know, once they, the, the VA hospital is literally one mile away from our program and they receive services on demand. So if somebody would relapse or have a severe health issue um, or go off their meds and need some intervention, we literally just can get them to the hospital and they receive help that day. So it's a wonderful partnership. Um, and one of the things that has happened probably in the last five years for, for every vet who goes through there, when they're ready to move out, um, so we also, we help them get full-time work, we help them get their vet pensions and benefits, um, you know, services that they didn't even know they were eligible for before they came into our program. Um, I would say the majority of vets um, are older, um, but we are certainly starting to see um, a younger 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, Iraqi era type veterans um, in the program. But anyway, what they receive when they leave is called a VASH voucher, and it's basically a Section 8 voucher for veterans, the V standing for veterans. And so what that means is they can move into housing in the community. It could be Porchlight or housing in the community. Um, and they will only need to pay 30% of their income, 30% of the rent. And the VASH voucher will pay two-thirds of the rent. So it is great incentive for them to kind of get everything situated while they're in our program and then to move um, in the community. 
We also hire the veterans. Um, we have a veteran who is the manager of the kitchen program, and all of the workers there are veterans in the program. So as they kind of transition out, they transition out of that employment opportunity um, into housing in the community. And one of the nice things, you know, I really, I really enjoyed the, the book that was read. I kind of thought after 32 years I wouldn't be crying over a story about homelessness, but there I was, waving away my tears. But when it talked about how the, the old man, you know, he was many things. He was cold. He was hungry. Um, but he was lonely. And that, if you said, what is, what is one big thing that you've seen over 30 years? It's that. It's, it's that lack of connection. It's that loneliness. Um, you know, so it's a role we as staff try to play with people. Um, but what we also do at the veteran program, even when you move out um, and find housing in the community, you are welcome to come back. You're welcome to come back chit-chat with the staff, sit in the community room, have the three meals a day. Um, a, we don't want you to lose your housing. Um, and so maybe it's just a little conversation with the staff that will help that to stay that way. Um, but it's also the community of talking to the other veterans there. Um, and to let folks know that you're not always going to be homeless, right? You can be like this gentleman and, and find a place in the community. Um, so that's just been, it's a very successful program. The majority of, of men move out into the community and find, find housing and then don't become homeless again um, because of all those supports that we, we help get them connected to. Um, our philosophy at Porchlight is we don't need to be doing everything for everybody, right? Our job is to connect you to programs that already exist in the community so that when you leave us, we aren't your only tie to all of that, right? You've already been connected to AA meetings and a primary doctor and um, other supports to keep you housed and thriving. In, in my 30 years of, of doing this, I've, I've never... I've never met a person who didn't want help. I've met people who've lost the ability to make good choices for themselves because of their severe mental health issues, because of their very active um, alcohol and drug issues. Um, but the key part is don't give up on people. One of the gentlemen, we have two re uh, former residents on our board. One of the gentlemen was, went through alcohol and drug treatment 11 times. And he said the 11th time was great. <laughs> and he's been sober ever since. Um, so I know I'm a chatty Kathy. Um, and I know that the Reverend has a rest of the church to do this morning. So I'm going to wrap this up. But I will be in the, the I will, I'll answer your questions. But then I'll be in the lobby um, for anybody who else wants to talk or hear more about the men's shelter. But I want to get your questions. Yeah, in our 375 units of housing, yeah, we have issues with hoarders. We have issues with people who just aren't physically able to keep up their apartments. And unfortunately, we don't, we don't do personal cares for people. You know, we're social workers. We don't do personal cares. We're not, per se, cleaning the apartments. You know, nobody gets automatically kicked out for those types of things. Um, you know, we have volunteers who can offer some assistance. We have certainly places we can refer people to for some assistance with that if they have the funds and choose to use their funds on that. It's the long game. It's all of, all of it is about relationships, right? Like if I have a relationship with you, we can have those conversations. Um, if I'm just the lady who's just like, 
pay your rent, clean your room. We don't have a relationship, right? And so that's what our social workers are working on, building up those relationships so we can have those conversations. And it might just be this week, we're just working on throwing out your trash. That's it, right? Like that's our only goal, small baby steps. Um, so it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal and I think all of the affordable housing out there. Yeah. Carolyn, thank you so much. Yes, of course. I just want to say thank you, Carla, for all that you have been doing for these 30 years because Porchlight has been a massive uh, help for those people who have been suffering from homelessness and mm -hmm. from those areas of uh, need. Thank you. Our closing words this morning, here at Prairie Unitarian Universalist Society, we reach back into the past to honor those who came before us and those who have given much so that we may be here today. And we reach forward with hands of welcome to embrace those all who are joined with us today. Wherever your path may take you, may you carry the message forth with you. Go in peace, return in love,